0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pennsylvania's favorite movie podcast. It's Motion Picture Pals, episode 22, and we are going to talk about The Village from 2004 by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Joaquin Phoenix, Adrian Brony, Segura brony no not adrian brony adrian brody (laughs) sigourney weaver and william hurt and i do wonder now if adrian brony is like some kind of my little pony character that some deranged person has created i have to assume yes probably uh yeah well travis you picked this movie this is back to our regularly scheduled broadcasts uh we did our Halloween special with the witch previously, but we have another kind of spooky movie this time. So
1: There he why don't is. you
0: tell us a little bit about the village?
1: Hang on. I found him. Adrian Brony. Oh my oh, gosh. Christ.
0: <laughs> it's I like how his like the thing that they have on their this on their hips or their butt, although my little ponies his is just a nose.
1: It's just a nose. It's pretty good. Did we say who we are? I don't, it doesn't matter. Oh, we
0: didn't say who we are. Yeah. Well, you know who we are.
1: Yeah. You know Uh, who we are.
0: You know Um, exactly who
2: we are. We should still give our names to ourselves. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm Cam Call. With me is Rebecca Markley. Hello. And our producer, Travis Lee.
1: Greetings. Okay. (laughs) So this is the village, it is from 2004 it is an m night shyamalan film we already said all this uh, it was not well received when it when it came out in theaters in the good year 2004 we already said that too i'm just going to try to move along because i keep repeating myself <laughs> the reason that i thought this would be an interesting film to watch was that uh, apparently in recent years there have been a whole bunch of of retrospective reviews of the village written which is kind of a genre of media criticism that is fun because typically people will look back at something and try to argue that actually this thing that everyone at the time thought was bad is good so i read several of those um just the fact that there were so many made me interested in the village and so kind of the hypothesis was the village was was poorly received due to like a a bunch of strange circumstances that all collided having to do with like opinions on Shyamalan and his, his sort of reliance on twist endings and a marketing campaign for the film that really emphasized it as a horror movie. And Cam, you said this is a horror movie. I don't think it's a horror movie. I have horror. So we, can, we can talk <laughs> about that. Horror. I, yeah, S- I wanna, yeah. I want
0: to, yeah, I want to emphasize there is a question mark. I don't have it There's as a, a horror movie. Mark. I have it okay. as a horror. Horror. So. Horror. <laughs> Suspense? Um, I do
1: remember, despite how young I was, I do remember seeing um, uh, TV uh, spots for this movie, and it was definitely marketed as a scary horror movie. I even remember my parents went to the theater to see it, and they wouldn't take me, of course, because, I I don't know, it was like probably rated R, or they just thought it wasn't good to take a kid to a horror movie or whatever. And they came back, and I asked them, how was the movie? And they were like, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very scary. (laughs) I was like, okay, well interesting it's good we um, love
0: to see a microcosm of culture in the home that's always yeah <laughs> that's always funny i remember the exact same thing of like i, I actually had never seen this movie until earlier today but I, yeah, I have very vivid memories of like being scared of the trailer even as yeah. a kid
1: yeah, I had actually not seen this movie either. I've I've actually I've never seen many Shyamalan movies, but I know what the twist is in all of them just because of how <laughs> people talk about the movies and culture. So I knew vaguely how this movie ended, but I was still it, it was still a, a fun trip to watch. I think it was still it wasn't like the movie was ruined for me. There were definitely a lot of interesting. I, there's actually like two twists in this movie. I didn't know both of them. I only knew one of them. So. um, I guess, uh, well, this is, this is the podcast where we talk about the whole movie. So, you know, turn it off if you don't want the twists yeah, spoiled. But, but uh,
0: also if you're gonna, if you're the type of person who's going to get mad at a spoiler from a movie that came out 16 years ago, uh, fuck you, you know, right. fuck yourself.
1: Absolutely. Eat shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this movie takes place in uh like a 19th century village where all these people live in like a Age of Empires map, where they can't go past <laughs> the edges because there's there's monsters, and uh, they kind of, I think they're farming. I don't know. It wasn't really clear. This movie's kind of like The Witch, but but also not. Anyway, so yeah. these people live in in uh, in like a farming community, a vegetarian
0: they, commune.
1: Yeah, Are they I think vegetarian? they're growing some. Yeah, I mean oh. they've got like they have. She- do they not eat? Do they not eat meat?
0: I didn't see any meat on the table. I think cuz okay. red is the bad color.
1: Oh. Right. Yeah. Um, but like giving birth you're... is
2: bloody.
0: I don't know. Don't ask don't me. Always...
2: Okay, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're very quickly introduced to all these supernatural uh, quirks within the village. Like you can't you can't go past the the boundary cuz there's monsters that have this bullshit name uh or they're 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 unnamed they're the things you don't speak of or something which is too many words to say
0: yeah um the voldemorts
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there are voldemorts in the woods um (laughs) there there is you're not supposed to have the color red because the voldemorts like the red and those are kind of the two main things and like you're not supposed to leave the village either that's the other big thing so those are kind of that's that's the setup um and then we have sort of our uh, there's a lot of characters including I will say this just to get it out of the way Jesse Eisenberg is in this movie. Yeah, I was has, really like, distracted the, by that. Probably the smallest Jesse Eisenberg role I've ever seen cuz he has like two lines. It's very <laughs> distracting. Um yeah, that's weird. I don't know why that happens. I don't like it. Uh, yeah. I'd rather he say a lot of things or just not be in the movie, but <laughs> I
0: think he just I, wasn't I, very <laughs> famous at this point though, right?
1: Probably not cuz what he wasn't famous till the social network, right? Right
0: and the, um, yeah here's a bit of trivia for you uh the village is actually a prequel to the social network that boy is uh mark zuckerberg and right. he escaped his compound in pennsylvania and went on to to invent facebook as revenge on the world
1: <laughs> yeah um but he's not one of the three main characters right uh, he's just, but he is there, there to be three main characters there's one that's played by uh, what's her name bryce dallas howard yeah uh, plays a blind girl um I realized she has a sister and that wasn't the same person. Uh, (laughs) I don't really didn't really follow how she fit in. But then there is walking Phoenix plays uh, uh, or Bryce Dallas Howard plays uh, Ivy, we should say. And then walking Phoenix plays Lucius, who is uh, kind of a a quiet guy. And uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he doesn't actually do a whole hell of a lot in the movie. He's no. like the love interest of Ivy is kind of just no, the, his main yeah. thing. By,
1: by the end of the movie, it becomes clear that it's it all sort of revolves around Ivy. But then also Adrian Brody has a very pivotal role in the story as uh, Noah, who is some sort of developmentally disabled man, it seems. Uh, Learning
0: disability of some kind, but yeah, not really specified.
1: Yeah, so he's doing sort of socially awkward things, laughs at awkward <laughs> times, and uh, all sorts of stuff, and um, yeah, so the film sort of plays out as this weird, uh, spooky love triangle sort of film. Yeah, and a
0: spooky love triangle is definitely the right way to think about this movie, mm-hmm. and less of a horror.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or less I of think, a
0: horror. Um, horror.
1: Yeah, horror? it's um. Mismarketing, I think is like just one of those things that's very unfortunate. I remember uh talking with will about Blade Runner twenty forty nine which we went and saw and I think it's a fantastic movie, but it got a lot of I think it it like understandably got a lot of flack because people watched the trailer thinking they were gonna go see a a cool action movie and instead they saw <laughs> Blade Runner so (laughs) uh, if you yeah if you went to see the village thinking you were gonna see like a regular horror movie then you probably left the theater going what the fuck was that because it's not a horror movie it's it's clearly like it's like a weird love story drama with spooky elements that kind of get dispelled at a fairly early point in the film and then come back because there's a twist anyway we should just We'll talk about the movie now um <laughs> i i guess i'll start by saying that i thought it was really interesting i think there's a lot of problems with the film but i uh, i thought it, it was enjoyable to watch and i like that there's a lot of things going on in this film that we can talk about um it's lots of lots of different layers i think so let me know what y'all thought
0: i i liked it i was I think I was kind of expecting it to like really blow me away because of what you were talking about, Travis, with these like retrospective reviews and people talking about it as if it's like this, you know, stunning masterpiece of cinema or whatever. Uh, There's specifically, I think this is the one that you referenced later in the notes. There's a Vox article that I think the headline is something to the effect of like, uh, you know, the village is an underrated masterpiece because everything has to have a clickbaity headline these days. Uh, i will say the url that at least i that i found for that article had like you know vox.com slash reviews and then like a bunch of like alphanumeric symbols and then shamalan village good at the end
1: what?
0: <laughs> which i thought was really oh, you're
1: funny. right yeah yeah um, the Village um good
0: yeah but so you know i think that's a better headline the village shamalan yeah. good Um, And so I think I was a little underwhelmed because of that. I thought it was, I mean, it was a perfectly enjoyable, you know, it's like an hour and 45 minutes or so. So it's not a huge time investment. Um, And I, yeah, I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad I've seen it because it's, it's one of those things. And I think Shyamalan films are such like cultural touchstones of the early two thousands that it's, it's one of those things that almost feels like, you know, if you want to have a sort of coherent view of pop culture from that time, they're almost like required viewing. But uh, yeah, there were good and bad parts, but overall, I, I liked it, thought it was pretty good, had a few solid spooks.
1: Yeah, I think aside from Village Shyamalan good, a better headline maybe would have been The Village is, is M. Night Shyamalan's best film, because then you can set your expectations accordingly
0: yeah i also i don't know that i agree with that i don't think it's as good as like unbreakable and like those Mm uh you know that whole cinematic universe i guess but that's i guess maybe more a matter of taste
2: um i thought the movie was scary so i guess i'm gonna i don't know have a differing opinion there and i also didn't particularly like it i don't know i was (laughs) really stressed out the whole time Um, I think because I was just like anticipating various uh, twists. And so I was like, I can't trust anything at all. (laughs) And that maybe we just like wasn't the best way to go into viewing a film. Um, I was also really uncomfortable with like the portrayal of disability, um, especially like more. Like behavioral kind of things. I don't know. I was just like. I don't know I just it didn't really like sit well with me as far as like the only person in this like community who's like committing violence is this person who has developmental disabilities I just didn't really like that um, that take
1: yeah Um, that is definitely probably uh, the worst part of this film the most
0: cancelable element for sure yeah I
1: think it's it's not
0: horrible I will say, like, I don't think it's, like, in as poor taste as I think it probably sounds. I think, like, the performance isn't, like, super over the top. And I think the issues are more kind of the the way that, I guess, disability is used as a plot device.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, It seems like, it 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 definitely seems like it could have done without that but uh
2: and then you know he just is like killed at the end in like a really gruesome way and, and he's like, yeah i just was like oh ugh. and
0: is again used as like a plot device about like you know uh his death enabling the like continuation of the of the village you know of the lie that they're that they're telling to all of the all the people but yeah yeah, that's yeah. I, I I think I agree with you there. It's like ugh, I probably could have done without that, but
2: yeah, definitely. But um, I don't know. I guess I really couldn't get beyond that, and so I was just kind of like uncomfortable through the whole thing. But I felt like it was an interesting kind of like. It really reminded me of um, the city of em- Ember. Is that the the book slash movie I no idea um where it's about this like community that they like live deep underground and they're only supposed to be underground for a certain amount of years um and they all like the elders of the society are like protecting everybody from like the the evils that are happening at the surface yeah it's the city of ember um and just kind of like this collective lie that like elders will tell people to like keep them safe and this sort of like paternalistic view of like this is how things need to be done and we're trying to protect innocence um i don't that was a cool theme and i enjoyed that part and just sort of like the um the, i guess the world building that that requires and then the whole like walker wild, wildlife pr- preservation i thought that was kind of fun and paying for the airspace so um you know planes can't like fly over and creep like why there's a bunch of smoke coming out of this forest i don't know if that was also interesting
0: yeah or like the people in the village literally seeing chemtrails above them <laughs> starting <laughs> to ask questions
2: those chemtrails.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's only a matter of time. Well, so we've kind of talked around the twist a little bit. Uh, I think I'll provide just a little bit of context for like the M. Night Shyamalan twist. And then we can kind of talk about it, how it functions in this movie. So in the early 2000s uh, and the late 90s, I think I kind of think of those as like culturally Uh, a continuation uh so m night Shyamalan was coming off a real hot streak of movies around this time so in 1999 was kind of his breakout hit the sixth sense which you know everybody's kind of heard of like oh you know i see dead people and bruce willis was dead the whole time that kind of a meme about the twist there um followed by unbreakable which uh the twist there's you know another twist about who's actually the bad guy in that movie and then signs, which is of course, Oh, aliens get evaporated by water or whatever. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, that was 1999 for the sixth sense, uh, unbreakable came out a year later in 2000 and signs came out in 2002 and those were all really well received and financially pretty successful. Um, and then, of course, 2004 comes along with The Village. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's name really had begun to mean a lot in Hollywood, and especially in uh, marketing materials, right? is like the twist is an expectation of his movies, right? So there's that. And then he had kind of been trending towards more like spooky thrillers, if not outright horror films up until this point as well. And so I think a lot of that contributed to this, uh, I guess, confusion around the movie of like, is it a horror? Is it a thriller? You know, how are we going to market it? All that kind of stuff. Uh, And then, you know, The Village comes out and the script is really well guarded during production because everybody knows uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies like, I have a twist. We're going to figure out what it is and, you know, all this stuff. And the script actually was uh, stolen and leaked ahead of time, but yeah, and then the twist in this movie ends up being like, oh, the village isn't actually, uh, or I guess the movie doesn't actually take place in, you know, the 1890s, it's it's normal times, it's the early 2000s, and uh, Bush is president or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> uh so that's kind of the big one, and then also that the monsters are actually the village elders. And they're they're a, a spooky uh psyop to get to keep you from leaving. Um and so I know a lot of the initial uh I guess critical gripes with this movie had to do with the twist being disappointing, but I wanna hear what other people think. Were you disappointed by the twist? Because I wouldn't say i was i kind of knew what was Uh, up but i didn't think like the reveal was particularly bad or anything like that and i didn't think it was underwhelming really but i
1: i knew that i knew the twist that the film that the the village was actually in modern days and so i was spending pretty much the entire movie trying to figure out like why that mattered or how that would play out um Mm -hmm. Which, I, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it really mattered all that much. Um, I was actually unaware of the twist that the monsters were not really monsters. Um, although I felt that like something was off about the monsters, I just didn't know what it was. So that twist, I thought, was, was good, and it did work as an actual twist for me, because I didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I liked... The twists, um, I guess maybe like why people were disappointed um, that the film or like that the twist was like, oh, it's in modern times because that doesn't really change your understanding of the film. I feel like the twist about like, oh, it's the elders all along who are the monsters kind of does that in a little bit. I don't know. Whatever. But um yeah, I I didn't think that it was hugely disappointing. I I quite enjoyed them and I liked how I like, like I said before, I liked the um the, sort of the the world building that kind of like had to go into that. Like how did they pull that off? Um like how many of the kids were like still children? Did they like even remember their old life? I don't know. I was just kind of like interested in like the that more like specific elements of of what was happening in the village
0: yeah i think the twists are fine but i think if you're expecting a big horror twist and you're going into this movie expecting a horror movie uh the twist is going to be underwhelming which i guess really points back to those retrospectives about the mismarketing being like pretty important uh because i think if you're watching this as uh as a, a romance i guess i think that vox review refers to this as a gothic romance uh then i think the twists work really well
2: yeah i feel like it definitely sits much better as a gothic romance and i feel like you, they could have even really like leaned into that more like gothic elements too and it could have been like even better i don't know how so I don't know just like with more i don't know like more like forlorn misty moors and like i don't know there was some of that in there yeah but we like, did get
0: a really good misty moor between joaquin phoenix uh i guess lucius and ivy when they sort of are professing their love for one another
2: but i kind of wanted to see like more like tall spooky architecture you know to, oh like to
0: literally like, gothic like cathedrals
2: not quite, but like <laughs> sure, but whatever. That's it's still like a theme, like architecture is still a theme in like gothic, like literature, I guess. Uh huh. And it's cool when it's spooky and yeah. stuff, but not just cathedrals,
0: yeah. Maybe just spookier architecture,
2: yeah. yeah. Less yeah. sort of like whimsical farmlands, which I felt like it had.
1: This movie, I think, looks very whimsical. Um. Like the, the Roger Deakins cinematography and the 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 early 2000s mist that everyone loved to use in their movies uh-huh. is very present here. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does help, I think, validate my theory that it's that it's supposed to be more of a romance because it's it's shot and presented like a romance.
0: Absolutely. And it actually it it kind of looks like Little Women, the most recent uh, Little Women movie, And like, I think just the time period and the costuming and a lot of the cinema,
1: cinematography, cinematography, I was
0: going to say cinematographic, I think was what I like the way that sentence was headed. And I had to, I had to just put an end to that because I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that in any way that's not distracting. Uh, Yeah. And I thought the, I thought the set designs looked really great i thought i like totally believed this is what houses would how they would look and more or less function in uh the late 1800s so i thought that was all really good um and then i think that actually made the modern day twist even better because there wasn't i guess it did such a good job of like placing you within the period with, you know, especially with the costumes and sets, but also the performances, um, is that when you see the guy, you know, pull up in his Land Rover and his, like, normal, like, park ranger garb, it's just like, whoa, what the heck is going on? What's that? Like, what's... This is weird. and uh, And then I guess it's significant, right, that Ivy is blind because mm-hmm. she can't really report back about what she's seen... I mean, literally about what she's seen, but also like what she knows. Anyways, all that to say, good sets, real good set design, nice cinematography.
2: Yeah, I've, like when we heard the siren, back to what you were saying about like the Land Rover, it was like so loud and it was so intense um, just because I felt like all of the sounds up to that, aside from like the spooky, um, the spooky music was all pretty... I don't know, like, organic sounding? Like, it was, Mm -hmm. like, you could hear, like, the stream and, you know, people, like, walking on wood floors and things like that.
0: Right. Yeah, the only kind of, the only non-sorta-diegetic, I guess it is diegetic, but Mm -hmm. the one, the seemingly, like, unnatural stuff is rather supernatural, right? It's the weird, like, moaning sounds, I guess, that are coming from the forest. Uh... And then, cause like, I think all, all, most, if not all of the music is just like a couple violins going, I think actually the principal violinist has, is the first name you see in the credits, which is kind of neat. Uh, but it's all, I guess, I guess that's all to say that it, you know, the music keeps you rooted in the time period and also in like, kind of keeps it really small and confined sonically. It's just, you know, at at most, I think there's like, you know, no more than like five instruments playing at any given time, which I thought was a really nice touch. I I really, really like the score to this movie. I think that's probably one of its strongest, uh, one of its strongest aspects, which I think it actually won an award of some kind, like one of one of the big movie awards. So I would say that was well deserved. I think. I think this is a good stopping point, so we can take a break real quick and then get back and we can talk about uh, themes and, I don't know, the M. Night Shyamalan meta of the 2000s. Once again, I'm reminding you to please follow us on Twitter. We are at Pals. Sign up for newsletters on Substack. It's motionpicturepals.substack.com and join the Discord at bit.ly slash motionpicturepals where we do all kinds of fun stuff. Right now, it's a lot of memeing about the election. But uh, just, uh, just recently, we had our little Discord Halloween party. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we just talk about all kinds of stuff. Share texts from our bosses as we quit our jobs. You know, <laughs> all that stuff. So if that's something you think would be interesting, just go ahead and hop in there. And it's a good time, I promise. Uh, and so that will bring us now to the themes of the village. Along with probably a little bit more of a discussion of like the culture around uh, M Night Shyamalan in the in the mid two the mid aughts as it were. So, I actually found myself struggling to write the themes section of the notes here. I actually had a bullet point that was just a bunch of question marks because I kind of found myself a little unsure about what I what I should be taking from the movie. I mean, there's like obviously what you do come away with, but I, at least I, something I enjoy is like trying to figure out, you know, what did the director, what did the filmmaker want me to think? What was kind of, what were they getting at with this and kind of working from there? But I was not really able to come up with much for that. So I do want to ask anybody else to just throw some stuff out there if you have it, because I was grasping for a lot of these
2: i mean yeah oh go ahead travis oh no it's okay (laughs) um i feel like the list that we have right now is love don't trust authority and escape the evils of the outside world
0: evils in scare quotes yeah
2: and i think yeah i mean i think those are interesting i also think it's worth noting i want to explore like why these people in whenever they decided to do that in like when was the colony established do we know
0: based I mean, on it doesn't really say uh, i see so i was doing this like totally based on like the newspapers that, that they had in their little like their black boxes kind of at the end and i was guessing like maybe the like mid or late 80s or maybe even a little earlier yeah but not okay. it hadn't been a super long time okay i guess but like but then again kind of based on like the apparent ages of like Joaquin Phoenix's character for example i think the implication is that he's been living in the village his entire life and he's in his like mid 20s at least
2: mm-hmm. in
0: the film so it's you know it, it, it's a little unclear but i think you know 1970 to 1985 ish is the vibe i got
2: okay yeah so that's kind of what i was thinking but i thought it was like very interesting for them to pick when they were sort of like recreating this like innocent society like they are still doing that with like i guess um like gendered dress in an era where you do still need to like ask permission to get married All those kinds of things, which I just thought was kind of interesting. And that's kind of like why I thought about just like the whole like paternalistic idea of like protecting you from innocence. Like they're still literally doing that by like the virtue of somebody's, you know, virginity, I guess, and like the necessary reason to ask father's permission before getting married. But that was the only other thing, other theme, other idea that I had to explore or I thought worth exploring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe gets into a little bit more, like, dissection and analysis of, like, what's going on with the characters. But I, I totally agree with you there. Of like, if you were to pick any time, why that? And I, I think the answer, at least, you know, in the text, is that that's what uh, Mr. Walker, Professor Walker, that's, you know, he's a professor of American history, so I assume he just knows a lot about that time period and is sort of able to, like, create that world
2: But they could all wear pants.
1: Or they could all wear dresses. Absolutely.
0: It's like, yeah. yeah, They weren't very
1: imaginative.
0: It raises the question. It's like, okay, you're just literally creating this society from scratch. Like, why did you pick, like, the Jim Crow era? Like, Pennsylvania? (laughs) It's just like, it's a very unclear. It's like what the motivations were with that. I mean, I I don't think it really matters that much for the movie.
2: Mm -hmm. It doesn't, uh, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. However, I think this kind of ties into what my point regarding a lot of this was, is that, uh, you know, you hear about crime a lot when they're it's specifically when the elders are talking about like uh, this, this society they've created, you know, like Lucius, uh, who's eventually stabbed by uh, Adrian Brody's character. um, Noah, I believe is his name. Uh, right. So Lucius and Ivy are like they announce their betrothal or whatever. And then Noah is really jealous and stabs Lucius. Uh, and that's this whole big crisis this, with uh, the elders when one of them's like, no, he was the victim of crime. And like, if that's happening here, you know, what is the point of any of this? Because this that's what we were fleeing. And of course, I mean, I think if the past like I don't know like 100 years of American political history teach you anything it's that anytime you hear somebody talk about crime that should raise a red flag for you that it's probably a dog whistle yes. and so of course all of the people in the village are white and they're all presumably from Philadelphia we know at least the walkers are from Philadelphia uh, and they're fleeing to escape crime and create this utopia with other victims of crime and it And I don't I'm not saying M. Night Shyamalan is like, you know, employing a lot of these big white supremacist dog whistles. I would hope as an Indian guy, he's not. But I think at the very least, that is an unexamined part of this script that is like, I'd say second to uh, the character of Noah you know in his behavioral and uh, like learning disability that kind of stuff i'd say this concept of like all us white folk fleeing crime and recreating this like of the, the recreating american culture from like an incredibly racist time of like you know as far, if you're like ranking eras of american history by racism right it's like the jim crow era second only to like literal slavery uh, and of course, not allowing any black people and presumably no poor people at all into the the village because the Walkers are you know this billionaire family. It's you know revealed later in the movie, so you know not not a very woke commune, I guess. <laughs> but it, yeah. it definitely didn't sit right with me because I was like. And it's, I think it's the insistence that they're specifically talking about crime. And it's not even the more nebulous, like, oh, the moral failings of modern society or, you know, urban society, or even one of those more like subtle or nuanced dog whistles. It's like, no crime, which was like, especially in the time that I think that the film implies that the village would have been created was especially like a huge dog whistle. Yeah. So even more so than it is now, although it's unfortunately, I think we've seen in the last like year or so, really coming back.
1: Yeah. So I think, like these past couple points that we've talked about, which are one hundred percent true. I think, like I'm just thinking about how this film insists on doing like a a, a second twist after the twist so that the monsters aren't real, and the second twist is that uh this movie this movie doesn't take place in you know early colonial times or whatever and i think the 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 like insistence of the film to sort of trick you into thinking it's in that specific setting is what kind of makes that second twist fall apart because then if you just barely start to question it like we're doing it doesn't really make a ton of sense like Mm -hmm. why why are they wearing gendered clothing why are there no black people um there's probably not black people because that's why or that's that that is a a way of of tricking you the audience who is not a a character in the film but nonetheless tricking you the audience into thinking that this is somewhere in 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 early Mm. colonial times Mm, um
2: good and so i
1: feel like that's something that probably should have have been examined better in the writing stage and maybe employed in a different way i still don't think that really matters that they're in modern times and i think maybe that i I don't i don't know what what do we think about the modern times twist because i i'm just confused especially now that we've sort of broken it down a little bit more
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i think of the two twists it's definitely the weaker uh i think it had a lot of potential and i think had the had the movie examined these like racial and socioeconomic things a little bit more closely, I think it could have been really incredible because there's also this theme about like trusting authority and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but how people have argued that this is potentially like an allegory for the Iraq war uh, and sort of, you know, not trusting authority figures blindly because they have ulterior motives that are like destructive, you know, and that sort of thing is i think you can have all of that stuff and also have this uh, closer examination of like racism and classism and all this other stuff as well. And then i think the modern times twist makes a lot of sense. It's like, oh, it's well, it's important that it's actually in modern times because this is a fucking like white supremacist compound. And it's this like weird like conservative good old days notion of, you know, harkening back to a time when america had moral fiber or whatever it is that they believe you know and then i think the modern times twist would have been really really powerful and like really felt significant whereas i think it's just kind of like and i think this is probably where a lot of the criticism came from about the twist is like it just feels like it's a twist for the sake of a twist and it's not doing a lot it's certainly not doing a lot for the plot, I guess, besides the fact that Ivy is able to get medical supplies. And then beyond that, I couldn't really tell you what what that accomplishes. So, that's kind of that's kind of my thought on it. Like I think it had a lot of potential, but it kind of fell flat.
2: Yeah, I feel like really leaning into and developing some of those issues with race and class could have been quite interesting um but i don't know i also like don't really i'm like having a hard time even like imagining how that would have happened like do you have any ideas of like what would have needed to be added to or changed to do that better
0: i mean i don't off the top of my head but i think that's mostly because i'm not a screenwriter and i don't really (laughs) know how how these things like how to effectively do that but i i, I kind of my hunch right is that there would at least be some dialogue some indication that these people are you know like racists a little bit more explicitly i mm-hmm. think just for the for the purposes of the movie you'd kind of have to do that just because there are so many characters and so many motivations going on in here that it like it gets kind of muddled and some people need to be a little bit more one di- one dimensional but uh
2: but i guess how would you depict racism if everybody's white i mean probably like
0: flashbacks or probably a little bit more explicit discussion of like why they left
1: Mm. philadelphia
0: instead of just being like oh crime yeah it's you know what i mean that's a dog whistle and that's the whole point of a dog whistle right is that like it's easy to miss the more explicit parts and i think that's Perhaps, you know, that could have worked in this movie had there been maybe fewer characters or, like, not as many, like, stories going on simultaneously or something, but that that's sort of my hunch. But again, I think you then run into the problem of, like, well, then what is this movie about and, like, what is the audience supposed to be paying attention to? Because there is a lot going on. And then you're, like, gonna add these, like, pretty big, like, sociological problems as well and then i think it just kind of you run the risk of it becoming like a huge mess which i mean it was a bit of a mess already (laughs) so i guess yeah i don't want to maybe maybe yeah so maybe adding this stuff wouldn't have been better but i think perhaps a bit more of a focus on one thing or the other would have been better
1: yeah it just seems like it was one of those like elements or readings of the film that was just completely overlooked probably due to like the lack of diversity overall that there is in hollywood and on Mm -hmm. teams that make movies so then and now still
0: yeah right right when i think a little easier in 2004 to fly under the radar with that kind of stuff than now yeah all that is to say that i think the modern day twist could have been really great but kind of was lackluster in its execution and I think also the the real monsters were the elders the whole time twist could have been better as well. But I, th- and I don't know if this is because they were like, maybe had to like hurry toward the modern day twist and like have Ivy's whole like dark night of the soul in the woods uh, and have all that stuff happening that it felt a bit rushed that her dad was like, oh, it's fine. Look, it's a costume. And then that was kind of it. And then there were, like, some tense talks with the other elders that were like, oh, my God, how could you tell her this? And it's, you know, it's it's only given, like, 10 minutes of screen time because, like, you still have one of the main characters dying. You still have one of the main characters, like, a, like a literal blind girl lost in the woods. And you have all of these things that you need to depict and, and switch your focus on that I think that also in a way kind of ends up being a little muddled as like the power of that revelation is undercut a little bit by, I think just the necessity of the movie to like get to the resolution. But, but I did like that. I just wish there would could have, again, been a little bit more time and a little bit more like nuanced discussion of like what does it mean that these people that you trust have been lying to you to control you you know what i mean because i think that's really my why i had such a hard time with the themes here is because by the end it's just like so are we supposed to be down with what the elders are doing like is it good that ivy like left and came back and, and you know is is Lucius going to be okay? And like, is, is like, it, oh, is it fine actually that we sacrifice this man with a learning disability to like continue lying <laughs> to the rest of the village? It's like, all of this stuff is like, I don't, and it's not explicitly said in the movie. And I don't no, I don't want to make it sound like I, you know, require every movie to like explicitly like tell you, you know, it's moral and like be didactic in that way. But I think because there is so much shit going on, in this movie that I was left just kind of like, huh? And I didn't have a, a, like a coherent takeaway, I think, but I guess, yeah, I've been talking for a long time, so I want to hear what other people have to say about this stuff.
2: Um, I felt like love was kind of like used as like a way to manipulate people because it was used as like, okay, so we love our family. We lost the people who we loved in this nebulous crime business. Um, so we have to, like, you know, form our commune in the middle of this, like, forest um, and then protect everybody that we love. Um, But there's still, like. I mean, they're still, like, lying to each other, like, there's still so much deceit and, like, manipulation that's happening for the sake of love. Um And I. I thought it was interesting that they, they like, say, like, oh, I love this man so much, or like, oh, we did this out of love, like, that is just so explicit. And they, like, say it in the dialogue so much that I just thought it was interesting. Um, Like, I wish there'd been, I don't know, I wish, I kind of wanted there to be, like, a moment or, like, some sort of, like, tension where there was like a, a Thomas and like like a, a confronting her her father about like all of the lies. Like I kind of wish there had been something between maybe some of the elders to just sort of like amp it up as opposed to just being like, "Oh, you swore a vow." You know, like yeah, I don't
0: know. Right, right. Because there's all this talk of love and innocence and all these things, which are great and I think they're like com- it's compelling dialogue and I think it's delivered really effectively. But then it's like by the end like were we supposed to believe this like i guess i think it, it, the my issue is i don't get a clear uh i don't get a clear image from the movie either like from the writing or the sim- cinematography or anything like that of like what i'm supposed to think of any of the elders cuz i think they end up being uh pretty sympathetic characters by the end but i'm not sure they're supposed to be and i think it would make a lot more sense if they weren't or at least a little bit more complicated than the fact that they were complicit in this this broader lie which i by the end of the movie um it ends up being fine or at least goes kind of unresolved
2: i guess there is a moment sorry to like go back where where ivy does sort of like confront her father and she's like oh so it was like you like the elders were the people who were like bringing in all the dead animals and her father was like oh yeah well we think one of the elders was doing that and i was just like oh, oh how yeah. can he like not how how is he okay with like i forgot about the, that that like level of like i don't know like sadism that's just existing there and that goes on like mentioned that's like not well, he, confronted he kind
1: of he kind of acts like he's also stressed out about that cuz he doesn't seem like he's he does he doesn't seem like he knows who is doing it and then of course we learned that it was uh noah but right or is that his name i mean i
0: think that's what we're supposed to assume. But then it's like, my understanding was that, you know, he found the costume underneath the floorboards of yeah. the, like the fucking like room that they lock him in when he's being bad, which is also pretty fucked up. I forgot about that until I just said it. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. Yeah. I guess I thought he had found that in that moment. And, yeah. And then escaped. Or, or something like that. Because I, I guess I wasn't super clear on whether or not he was doing it. Because oh, he is, okay.
1: you know, he's hiding as, in the cellar for a while. It oh. could be. But he's
0: also hiding in the cellar in one of the scenes mm-hmm. with, you know, I guess the elders then, you know, doing this weird raid on the village in their monster costumes while Noah is like hiding in the cellar with the family. So he's clearly not taking part in that one.
1: Yeah, he's sort of like a a rogue cosplayer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The most dangerous type of person. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess all of this... I mean, it could be that all three of us were not reading the film correctly, but I think the fact that there is so much conversation to be had here points to the fact that it could have been a little bit clearer who was doing what and when and why. Mm -hmm. Because... I think there's merit to, like, Noah was doing it the whole time, which is, like, fine, but then, wha- then why are the elders doing their raid, you know, in the middle of the movie, you know, when when Lucius saves Ivy in the, the doorway? Uh,
1: yeah, and I- also, why does the film end in the exact spot that it ends, without any sort of exploration of what happens in the village after this or does anything change? Because I think that's sort of what I'm missing because it's, it's such an interesting setting with all of this world building that they've done, but they don't really give you any sort of resolution in terms of like, wh- wh- how does this change? It, just in like, in like a classic storytelling sense, like we went through mm-hmm. all this stuff, w- what is the net result and it does kind of seem like the ending of the film is built around the person who's watching it because you watch like a, a blind girl almost learn that she lives in modern times or because she's <laughs> blind, she doesn't. So uh-huh. presumably she just goes back and doesn't really have anything new to tell anyone other than she got the medicine. So it's it's really weird. It's a really weird way to end a movie, I think.
0: And I think the ending really lends credence to the whole interpretation of the movie being a love story is because that's the story that's resolved. Yeah. You know, It ends with her saying, you know, like, Lucius, I've come back for you or whatever it is that she says. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, that's that's it. And then we, you know, cut to credits and like none of this other stuff that we've been talking about is resolved in any meaningful way. Which then, of course, I, th- I think is the kind of the most concrete example of the fact that this is, you know, this is not uh, like a critique of society writ large. This is not a monster movie. This is not any of those things. It's a love story because that's clearly where the screenplay was headed by the end. So I don't know. Interesting. And like, I, in a way, is like, I'm almost like, I'm just like really disappointed because I'm like, damn, like I feel like this could have been a really fucking excellent movie with like really thought provoking storylines. Right. Cause I'm asking questions. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what does this yeah, mean? What's up with exactly this? And like, I, feel. I think it could have just been so much more powerful than it was. And I'm like, I'm left almost wishing that, you know, we got a different movie just because I'm so curious about where it would have ended up. And so I think that's overall, I think, a good thing, because most movies that are that leave me asking these questions I write off is like dumb and like unfinished and all this other stuff. Whereas with this one, you know, I still like it overall. I just wish it had been a little bit more coherent.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the more we discuss it, the more like, oh, how did this even get any like how did people like, OK, this in yeah. any sort of a meaningful way sort of like cats like how did cats happen um right how did how did the village
0: well i think actually there's like that's a pretty good analogy because i think cats happened because it's tom hooper right the awards guy (laughs) and and i think in a very similar way is like oh it's 2004 or i guess you know 2002 2003 when this would have been pitched and sort of being produced And it's, oh, it's M. Night Shyamalan. He's the guy who, like, makes the blockbusters that everybody talks about. So Mm. it's like, oh, we're, yeah, you know, trust him. Trust the vision. Obviously, that's a bit reductive. I'm sure there is a lot more complicated than that. But I think overall, it's like, yeah, you have this big name tied to the movie. You have all these stars in the movie. And, I mean, at the end of the day, right, this was a box office success. So, you know... As the old adage goes, money talks, bullshit walks, and the village made money. So overall, it wasn't a bad investment. But I think, as far as the whole, like, oh, how did, you know, who let this happen? It was just people knew it was going to make money. But, uh, and, and that I think, did not
2: happen with cats.
0: No, not, not even a little. But I think that gets us to a good spot to talk about, like, the culture around movies you know in the in the mid 2000s and kind of what what led to i don't know the the cultural like icon of m night Shyamalan, and kind of we can talk a little bit more about this retrospective review stuff because i think that's really interesting and while i don't necessarily agree like wholeheartedly with the that vox review Mm -hmm. um Actually, yeah, Rebecca's I see her pulling it up right now. I'm gonna just say the title and the author because I feel like it's it's a little cumbersome to keep saying the Vox.
1: M. Night yeah. *The Village* is an underrated masterpiece by Emily Vanderwerf. Correct.
0: There you go. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So I guess I don't know, Travis, if you want to talk about this because you have some extra Travis notes in the in the document for this episode
1: yeah i mean one of the things that she writes is that um let me see oh here this movie is about the iraq war which i don't know (laughs) if that's true or not but i think it's an interesting read and she's mainly talking about how the um the, the the revelation that the monsters aren't real they're just sort of this this fabrication made up by the elders in order to you know push the narrative that they want uh, and so she's saying that like Shyamalan is commenting on like the, the, the Bush era and the Iraq war and the whole, like, they have nukes or that's Iran. That's two different places.
0: Um, I no, no, it was, it was definitely the implication was that Saddam had nukes before the invasion. Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of the constant cultural boogeyman that Iran has nukes or will have them in, you know, 80 days or whatever the fuck. <laughs>
1: Right, we're still doing that, right? Oh, that, yeah, that that's kind of been going like on as
0: long as I can remember.
1: Yep. Um, But, yeah, so I thought that was... Th- that reading, I thought, was, like, weird enough that made me want to watch this film to see what I thought of that. Um, And I think, uh, I think I would need some more convincing to actually believe that. I don't know if I believe that. I don't... I think mostly because I don't know that I believe that M. Night Shyamalan, like had enough sort of like nuance to 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 have the movie actually be about that um because it seems like the stuff that he like the thoughts and ideas that he's presenting in this movie are pretty pretty surface level i would say kind of as we discussed like there wasn't even sort of any thought put into the racial makeup of this town i don't think anyway um unless there's like some behind the scenes stuff that we have yet to uncover but it just seems like one of those details that was overlooked and done in service of the twist itself while sort of writing off the potential implications um but uh well i don't remember where i was gonna try to go with this um i, th- I thought the costumes were neat um <laughs>
0: oh yeah the costumes are great I, that's actually something rebecca and i said kind of like as the credits were rolling i was like damn i really like those monsters. They. They were really scary looking.
1: Yeah, the and I thought like had some had some cool monster designs.
0: Yeah, they had some connections in Hollywood. It would seem. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually thought they kind of got more scary as the film went on, which I thought was a really cool thing. I think we actually talk about this in The Witch of like how the early monster reveal can kind of undercut a film, and I think in a way it like really built because you only see. You see, like, the weird angle, the, like, top-down angle of the monster as it, like, runs underneath a trap door really early Mm -hmm. in the film. And then you kind of get these, like, really fleeting shots of them, like, walking around and, like, you know, scraping doors with their long claws. And you don't see the monster in full until you actually see the suit just, like, hanging up in a shed. Uh, But then even after you know that oh go ahead
1: oh sorry yeah I was, it's fine i was trying to slip something in i was gonna say there's a really cool like film moment where um where ivy is standing at the door and the uh camera is focused on her hand and the monster is out of focus coming coming to get her and then um what's his name joaquin phoenix just sort of runs into the shot and pulls her in and i think it's like a really beautifully yeah. shot scene and probably the the coolest looking part of the movie.
0: Oh, I loved that. Yeah, the whole that whole sequence with the bells ringing and the monsters coming to get people and everyone hiding. I think is easily my favorite scene uh, in the whole movie. But uh, yeah, but I mean, even by the end when you know the monsters are just suits, and then you know she uh, Ivy encounters one out in the woods. It's that's really fucking scary because you're like what the fuck is going on like are they real actually or like is this somebody like out to get her somehow and you know it ends up being Noah and you know a really scary scene turns into like a really heartbreaking one
1: which is like the third twist in the movie
0: (laughs) that is true I guess is it maybe it was Noah the whole time is like the the like the middle twist. The middle twist. But,
1: uh... <laughs> I really don't like... The three parts of a movie. <laughs> the beginning, middle, and ending twist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like the it was Noah the whole time implications just because of what I was saying before about, like, the pretty, um... really, like, irris- <clears throat> irresponsible, dangerous, really, like, alienating... D- portrayal of people with disabilities that like this film kind of like i don't know leans into
0: absolutely and then it's like so who are the primary drivers of violence in this movie at least from the perspective of the characters are i guess black people and disabled people which is not a great ethos to approach a movie with and like i'm not i don't want to imply (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to imply that like M Night Shyamalan's like secretly a Nazi cuz I don't think that's true, but it's just like dude, you gotta like you gotta be more careful with this kind of stuff cuz I mean, your movie ends up saying things that I would hope you certainly didn't want it to. And then also is like again, if you're not going to be really didactic about the morals, then you're kind of leaving this up in the air for people to be like, "Oh shit, I guess" You know, the only way to like safely be around disabled people is to like lock them in rooms or, you know, make sure they aren't there in the first place, which is a really terrible road to go down as evidenced by history. Um, I had like a really brief thing to say about the whole uh, Iraq war and Bush administration lying and that the, ed- the elders being an allegory for that is like, I, I agree with you, Travis. I don't think necessarily that like m night Shyamalan is writing that deep of cultural commentaries into his movies i think it's it could be possible though that i mean he's influenced by current events the way that everyone is and that kind of made its way into this script or into the the production of this movie but i think it's a super interesting way to look at it Uh, i think like you could really beat that that uh metaphor to death if you wanted to and could probably be like a pretty interesting like you know youtube video essay or something
1: i think it's a good The movie is a good case study as to why you need representation on your crew
0: yes right because then you don't have three assholes 16 years later being like i'm pretty sure this guy wasn't trying to be a nazi (laughs) 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 which is not Uh, not where you want to be um Travis, I see you have stuff in these notes about the that documentary that was yeah, part of I, the marketing push for this movie. This. I heard of this I, a long time ago and forgot about it. But
1: yeah, if you want to talk about that, I that was another reason that like people seemed to like get mad at 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 M Night because he did some sort of. I read that he like made a fake documentary, but tried to. Push it off as real about himself and how he like died as a child for (laughs) thirty minutes in a lake, and now he's like sees spirits or something. Because I guess he just like he was self aware enough to to like know what people thought of him and his like directoral like auteur body of works, and was just like I want to lean into that. And he was like I'm gonna make myself sound like like a like a weird ghost boy or something. I guess some reporter, like, uncovered that it wasn't real and then people were really mad at him. <laughs> and it was, like, it was supposed to be some sort of marketing push for the movie. I don't know if the realizations <laughs> came to light before or after the movie came out, but... And at this point, who really cares? But that was just, like, a, a weird detail that kind of added some, some color to me about, like, who this guy is and, like, what is he trying to say in his films? Because, I mean, I don't know, it... I just think it's funny. Like if, if,
0: Oh, absolutely. If that's
1: what people thought about me, I would absolutely do that too. I don't know if I'd try to make, I don't know if I'd try to outright lie to people and be like, yeah, I I died as a kid, but I would, you know, it's definitely fun to like lean into, you know, things that, that people are, are perceiving about you, I guess, and having fun with that, whether they're good or, or bad or whatever shows that he has at least that sort of self-awareness
0: yeah absolutely and I it's funny because that kind of thing seems so quaint in 2020 is like I think it would be like overall a more interesting and fun media landscape if creatives kind of in the vein of M. Night Shyamalan did just lie about stuff like that because I think nowadays people know you can just sort of like put these layers of, like, persona in front of you, and then if and when these, like, hoaxes get uncovered, you can just be like, no, no, it's part of the character. And, like, it's like Alex Jones, you know, how his wife, during their divorce, like, got custody of their children by saying, like, he's an unhinged freak. And he was just like, no, that's just my media persona. Like, I'm not actually like that. And, I mean, obviously that didn't work out for him, which is funny and good, but that's (laughs) beside the point. Is I think, like you can just do that now as you like, no, that's like part of my brand and like my actions and behaviors on like in media. I, now it's a little bit more social media based, but I think the argument only gets stronger in like produced media, like you would make for the sci-fi channel. Like he did. I think the argument is like, no, like my person, like my person is my brand. And it's all of this is just kind of part of that. And then you just put a couple of disclaimers at the beginning of the documentary, right? Like the Discovery Channel did with the mermaid one. And like, (laughs) you're golden, as far as I can tell.
2: It's kind of crazy now that we live in the era of personal brands to not then see personal brands attached to every single person forever, you know? I, I just feel like... And I feel like it's also interesting because, like, we are also in this era where we're like, yes, you can have a personal brand, but you need to be authentic. And, like, there's all these weird constructs about, like, what that authenticity is.
0: And there are, like, so many. I think that's kind of what separates the boys from the men as far as, like, influencers are concerned. Is, like, who is able to pull off that faux authenticity, right? Because I think it's, like, the truly successful vloggers i guess vloggers are kind of a thing of the past these days but like you know tiktok people and like instagram influencers it's like who kind of pulls off this like a little bit more homey shtick is like those are who are kind of like the you know the best of the best as far as that goes and like i don't know i think it's very indicative that i'm saying stuff like oh i think it'd be cool and good if more people did stuff like this (laughs) it's like how different the times are culturally (laughs) in 2020 than i guess they were in 2004 i would have been just a little i would have been too young to really appreciate like the scope of you know this media hoax to like promote your movie Whereas now I'm just like, I thought everybody did that. I yeah. thought that's just how you got moviescape to be popular. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Not to tie everything back to Trump, but it's like, you know, the literal president is like a social media celebrity. And like, that's just the world that we live in. So it's so weird for me to think about people getting mad at M. Night Shyamalan for telling this like ultimately very innocent lie because it's not like he's capitalizing on somebody else's death or something else. He's just like, oh no, this like really crazy thing happened to me, and that's why I'm such a spooky man. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Very funny to look back on stuff like that and like think about like all of the like silly reasons people used to get mad about stuff. Oh, I had like one last thing to add about like the treatment of M Night Shyamalan culturally. Because I think people, obviously, as evidenced by uh, by uh, Emily Vanderwerf's uh, review and kind of the way we're talking about him now, is I think people are kind of coming back around to being like, okay, like M Night Shyamalan like wasn't that bad, and it was like just a a meme culturally to like dunk on him and like say that his movies are bad because of the twists or whatever, and I think he really got the limp biscuit treatment in like. He was like a ultimately like pretty inoffensively like popular character in what ended up being like a kind of cringy part of American culture. (laughs) And then people are like retroactively, like, no, it's, it's, uh, no, I, that sucks. I was never into that. I think Nickelback got a similar thing too.
2: And Twilight.
0: Yeah. It's just these things that everybody was into at the time. And then it was like, oh, actually, like, then we all got irony poisoned and it was like uncool to participate in pop culture. And then, you know, the, the Fred Dursts of Limp Biscuit, the M. Night Shyamalans, the, the twilights of the world end up, you know, getting shit on when I don't think they really deserve it any more than like any pop culture icon does. You know, I don't, obviously I don't think it stands up to like really intense, like intellectual artistic criticism, but like, shit, I'm sure this podcast doesn't either. So it's (laughs) like, I'm not, I don't want to like set the precedent that like everything needs to be this like intellectualizable, you know, well thought out and like thing that's going to stand the test of times. Like I think it's fine for people to just like make shit and enjoy stuff and move on and I don't think you have to like throw throw your M nights under the bus to like preserve your street cred. I think it's actually very unfair and I think it kind of fucked that guy's career up to some extent.
2: But at the same time there was this extremely problematic movie.
0: Yeah. Well, and this was also like arguably his best movie for like the next 10 years. Oh, so right that like as far as his career goes, that's not because I mean like let's be honest in 2004 right people aren't going to be like that wasn't a very woke portrayal of Philadelphia <laughs> and dis- like mental disability <laughs> so like we're we're not really interested in seeing your your movies anymore that that just wasn't what was happening but but I do see where you're coming from so i don't know i guess what i have to say is like go back listen to limp biscuit watch some m night Shyamalan movies just relive that fun innocent time of like 1999 to 2004
2: i don't think yeah. it was very innocent
1: <clears throat> i think we like,
2: literally now. we're just talking about how it very much wasn't innocent just yeah. earlier today but you know
1: that's true i, mean, I are guess any we of us really innocent yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah. No. Only M. Night Shyamalan.
1: No. Was he no. was also a writer on Stuart Little.
0: Yeah, I thought he directed that, and I was really excited yeah, to I throw that into like the timeline of his like directorial. I mean, uh, if nothing else, maybe you can
1: go back and watch some of these movies and get some really good ideas, and then turn them into better things.
2: Yeah. That's true. That sounds like a good
1: idea. Yeah. I wonder if the guy who wrote Attack on Titan had watched the village and thought, what if I just scaled this up a bunch?
0: I hope so. I like to think Attack on Titan is like what the village could have been.
2: I don't know when the City of Ember was written, but also similarly, where like the evils of the world, you have to go underground, kind of.
0: I think it would have been right around the same time. Yeah. I remember. I remember having that like marketed to me as a child who read books.
2: Yeah, I read it when I was in sixth grade, so that yeah. would have been two maybe years I'll go back and read it. I don't know if it would hold up. Probably
0: wouldn't, but that's fine. Yeah,
2: I yeah, know I didn't, my know head I didn't then finish falls the, the series. Into the genre of
1: like young adult sci-fi that got adapted into movies that were poorly received, like yeah. Ender's Game. Oh yeah.
2: I don't. know. I don't know why I, there
1: were so many of those. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like this was definitely before. I guess I I don't really know like what kind of genre The City of Ember fits under, but I felt like it was. Well, I mean, kind I think of... it
0: is like very a very early a... entry into like YA, uh, like dystopia.
2: But I think it got a movie like after. <clears throat> I think it got a movie after like Twilight did, and after hmm. like I don't know if after Hunger Games, but
0: yeah, because I probably would have read the coattails of Twilight.
2: Mm-hmm. To like,
0: then it's like everybody's paying attention to YA now, and they're getting movie adaptations.
2: True. Yeah,
1: maybe someday. Good. So I don't know if that's before or after.
2: I have no idea.
1: Oh, it's the same year.
2: The same year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe someday we'll do a special about YA film adaptations. <laughs> I think that could actually be. A lot I of fun. would
2: actually really enjoy that.
0: But. I think the fact that we are talking about YA film adaptations means that we have reached the end of this episode. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, once again, follow us on Twitter at MotionPicPals. Sign up for the Substack motionpicturepals.substack.com. Join the Discord, bit.ly slash and Join us next time where we are going to be watching The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's my choice. That was mine. I actually had nominated this one previously, didn't get selected, and so I recycled my old choices and we're doing it again. So The Killing of a Sacred Deer in two weeks. Check it out. Thank you again for listening, and that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you all later. Goodbye.
2: Didn't actually know what the sixth sense twist was. Ah, uh, you, damn! I spoiled it for you. I spoiled, you just, spoiled, you? I spoiled
0: the twenty-one-year-old movie.
2: <laughs> um, so I've never seen it. Never had any interest in seeing it. Yeah. Or participating in the discourse because I had never seen it.
1: Right. I didn't know that you killed the aliens with water in signs. Oh, really? I, I yeah. I've never oh, seen signs i would like to see signs Science i, I love good. alien movies even bad alien movies
0: i don't even think it's a bad alien movie. i think it's a like it gets a lot of shit for the twist being kind of dumb like as in why would aliens come to a planet that is like the surface is 70 percent full of like water. horrible at <laughs> like it functions basically like i don't know sulfuric acid does to us and it like literally rains from the sky and then just like why would they come here and try to do anything yeah but uh it's a good movie i really like it
1: there one of his movies that i did see when i was pretty young was the lady in the water i don't remember liking it very much and it seems like that's kind of when people started to turn on m night Shyamalan for real Not necessarily with the village, but when they saw this, like, dog shit lady in the water movie, everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy doing?
0: Yeah, I remember not seeing that because I had heard it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in as much as you can really make these decisions when you're, like, 12, but still... Yeah, I actually went down like a bit of a rabbit hole reading about Lady in the Water while like writing the notes for this episode, just because I was curious. I remember they spent a shitload of money marketing that one as well, because I it was just everywhere the trailers for it, and it was also marketed as like a pretty scary movie, as at least as far as I can remember. Because I used to be a real wiener as a kid and would get scared at like any (laughs) scary movie trailer, and like that is one that I definitely. Like, I definitely remember being scared of. But then, yeah, that was... So, yeah, you start with The Village, which, you know, got mixed reviews. Yeah, then it's Lady in the Water, then it's The Happening, and then it's The Last Airbender. And so that's, like, three real dumb ones in a row. Yeah. I remember uh, when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, um, and I was just you know you're just lying around on on like opiate painkillers for like a few days I re-watched uh the Avatar the Last Airbender the the animated series
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then I was like wow that's great I love this IP I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just try to watch the movie because people said it was terrible but like you know how bad could it be and even in my drug addled state, I made it like fifteen minutes in and I was like, this fucking sucks. Like I'm not watching this anymore.
2: I remember similarly similar things happening when I watched Twilight when I was on drugs after my <laughs> um <laughs> wisdom surgery wisdom teeth surgery the
0: surgery to increase your wisdom (laughs) wisdom, stat
2: yes (laughs) (laughs) and i just it was the third one and i explicitly remember this like scene where like the their people are like shape-shifting into the wolves and they're just like running through the forest forest and like i like saw this like weird strobe light like in the like on screen and it was like colorful and it was like flashing so bright and like i watched it Subsequently just to see what it was like and it definitely was not as intense as like I remember it in my brain Oh, but I think that was just like me being high and just like paying attention oh, sure. to like other things that were not just like Oh the wolves running, but it's like really horrible CGI, too, and it's just like very hard to watch. Yeah um, But yeah, I just remember just being horrified at this and I was just like, oh, I don't really know if I want to watch this anymore
0: Yeah, the third one is what is that which movie is that one
2: uh eclipse
0: eclipse and that one was part one and two
2: no that was all that was just the third book and then the fourth book got split up into the two movies
0: and that is
2: breaking dawn breaking Dawn, and that has the gross cgi baby
0: that's yeah i remember i saw i saw breaking dawn part one in theaters and like that one was real bad I think Breaking Dawn Part 2 had the baby, right?
2: Yeah, because she, like... Or I think
0: maybe it ends with the...
2: Yeah, the like, baby. The, the first one ends like, with her, like, giving birth, I think.
0: Yeah, that seems right. And
2: then she comes back as a vampire. And then they have the CGI baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. But, yeah, the third movie, I think there's, like, there's, like, a, a snowy fight with the with the wolves and it's all like very badly bad green screening or like you can tell they're just like not at all where they're at and it just yeah. looks very fake and very bad um <clears throat> i don't know i feel like it's just one of those things where like the technology hadn't quite caught up to like what they wanted to do yeah because or, like, like they didn't
0: have the budget for like the the star wars prequel fight choreography and <laughs> CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess speaking of things that people are retroactively are deciding are good, actually. That's kind of, that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about that, Travis, was the Star Wars prequels and the like.
2: Oh, yeah. prequel
0: truther push to be like, these are actually good.
2: Didn't we talk about that in Star Wars rewatch?
0: I think we did a little bit, but... I mean maybe it bears repeating that like folks i'm here to tell you that's not true it's not they're not good
2: and i watched them yeah. all for the first time last year as and somebody who annoying. likes star
0: wars too like you were kind of the ideal audience of yeah. like a 20 something who is like somewhat invested in the ip and you, you they're just not good they're just yeah. not great movies Go back to I don't know, is Star Wars rewatches on this podcast feed, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can go all the way back and listen to those and hear our dear friend Will, who's <laughs> no longer with us. Cause he's in he's South not, Africa. Not yeah, yeah, he's he just isn't in America. Uh cool. Actually, Error. me
1: and Will were talking about Star Wars re- recently because mm-hmm. I was I was watching the new episodes of The Mandalorian. Oh yeah. Um, have you watched The Mandalorian? No. I haven't. I have
0: Disney Plus now though, so I Well
1: let me let me tell you my take on The Mandalorian. Okay, yeah. Just because I think if you hear this take, you will you will know what to expect and understand. Okay. So I the Mandalorian, I think, is the approach to Star Wars that is the opposite of the Star Wars sequels JJ Abrams approach. Um mm-hmm. I think overall, I wouldn't necessarily say that like it's good television. Like if you're if if you have no connection to star wars i don't think you will like the mandalorian it seems like the show is designed very specifically for people who are like star wars geeks who know things like the (laughs) names of the alien races and stuff and want to see like a cool exploration of of the star wars world that like makes sense that fits in with the original trilogy and the prequels and it's just like a fun sort of adventure of the week type of show it's 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 so high budget that like it looks like prestige tv but the like the quality of the writing is not necessarily very (laughs) great so it's just like i find it really fun to watch um and i think like objectively it's probably not a good tv show but it's like it's like the star wars thing that i wish that the movies were but aren't okay i mean that's
0: that's kind of like what i've always wanted out of star wars is a lot more like i guess gritty for lack of a better term but just like a little bit more grounded a little bit more like what is it actually like to be a you know a bounty hunter or whatever so yeah. yeah i'd probably like it i mean i like i like the setting of star wars so
2: I feel like hearing that from other people, too, that it was like, you know, you want to watch this if you really, really care about Star Wars. Someone who doesn't particularly care about Star Wars. I mean, I like it and it's fun and I will continue seeing whichever movies come out. Um, (laughs) But I don't know. I just I don't know the names of aliens and I don't care to keep that all in my brain. I have other fandoms to like keep straight.
0: Right. Yeah. You gotta keep like names and roles and titles straight for a Song of Ice and Fire <laughs> yes.
1: fiction. Or even if yes. even if you just like love Star Wars world building and you're like detail aware, then when you watch The Mandalorian, like in the opening scene of The Mandalorian, it there is a is there's a cantina full of aliens, and you'll be like, hey, I recognize that alien. That's a Star Wars alien. Okay. That right there, that's, that's buddy. Not that's a what Star Wars in the force awakens which i I think is the most absurd thing because yeah that is such a slam dunk you go to jaku instead of tatooine you go to jaku and there's a bunch of like jj abrams made a bunch of sketches and was like i don't i don't know what star wars is i think there's aliens
0: yeah there's aliens that do improv at each other (laughs) yeah cool okay i'll probably check it out i'd say yeah i'm i'm definitely more in that latter camp of like I enjoy the setting and I like, you know, I get like a fleeting little like dopamine hit of like recognizing stuff or like, you know, being aware that that's a detail that's in a movie or something. So, yeah, I'll check it out. All right. Are ready to start again?
2: I thought we were just starting I back guess, in. I you I know,
0: was kind of, <laughs> I didn't plug the social media though. Oh. That
1: to me is starting again. Okay. So. Well, yeah, we can go go back in. Okay.